The Lord be with you. And welcome to the worship service of Holy Trinity Anglican in Madison, Mississippi. It is a joy to be called into the life of God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our prayer is that our hearts and minds are open to receive the Lord. By His Spirit, through His sacraments, and in the hearing of His Word, we are confident the Lord will meet us. So won't you join us? We're praying that you will. Lord, you are beautiful. Your love is breathtaking. That you would call out the broken and the battered and the bereft. That you would pour on us blessing and make us your children. What amazing grace. God, I pray that as we now open your word, that we would have ears to hear what you would speak to us, the church, that we would have hearts to receive and to believe what you are doing and want to do in our hearts and through our lives, and that we would be fed and nourished by truth and sacrament, that we might live to your glory with boldness and courage. We ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. If you have your copy of God's Word, which I trust that you do, uh, turn with me to the Gospel passage, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and we're going to consider together uh, the, the Gospel passage that was read. If you don't have a Bible, you should find one in the chair near you, pull that out, and if you don't have one at home, take it with you, and that'll be our gift to you, that we want everybody to have a copy of God's Word. So, um, John chapter 15. Now, I want to begin by saying we've been considering ever since Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, what difference does the resurrection make? What difference does the resurrection make? Because so many of us celebrate Easter, get the lilies, get the new dress, and we move right on, and we never consider that every day after Easter is informed and and empowered by the truth of that day. Today, I want to talk about the hallmarks of a resurrection life the hallmarks of a resurrection life. Now, I want to just go ahead and share with you, my family is way weirder than your family. From the time that my kids were little, we've been corrupting them. I just want to say it. I read, my, I went to seminary, and I started reading church history, and it really messed me up. I started taking seriously that we were supposed to actually catechize our children. Now, some of you don't even know what catechism is, so we're gonna get to that in a minute. But I then started reading an author named Dorothy Sayers, and she had a book called The Lost Tools of Learning, and I was thoroughly convinced that we needed to homeschool our kids according to the classical Christian method. So I'm telling you, we've been making our kids weird from way back. With the children's catechism, we started a game after dinner where we would go around the table and we would play the catechism game. And a catechism, for those of you who don't know, throughout church history, the church had developed a, a series of questions and answers to help pass along the faith to the next generation. The children's catechism begins with this question. Who made you? Somebody tell me. You guys already know your first one. That's right. God made you. What else did God make? All things. You guys are two for two. God made you and God made all things. Why 
did God make you in all things? For his own glory. That three for three. All right, now this is where it gets tough. How? How then do we glorify God? Anybody know the answer to that one in the children's catechism? Praising him? That's praising him. That's a good answer. But what does the catechism say? Does anybody know what the catechism says? By loving him and doing what he commands. So God made you. God made all things. God made you and all things for his glory. And the way that you glorify God is by loving him and keeping his commands, doing what he commands, right? All right, so you guys have already gotten the first night out. So now go home, look up the children's catechism, y'all can play along next week at your house. All right, for your four for four for this week. But those questions are the summation of what John is trying to teach us in this gospel passage. You see, he begins in John chapter 15, verse eight. Look at the verse and what he says, by this my father is what? What's preeminent on Christ's mind right here? The glory of the Father. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Well, how do you bear much fruit and prove to be his disciples? Number one, the first hallmark of a resurrection life, abide in my love. Abide in my love. Say that with me. Abide in my love. This is the first thing that the Lord wants you to remember, that he lived a sinless life, he died a sacrificial death, he rose in victorious resurrection so that you and I would no longer be separated from a holy God, but that we could abide in his love. Now, this is one of my favorite Greek words. The Greek word for abide is minnow. I always think of fishing. Get a little minnow, you put it on the hook, and you throw it in the, you catch a bass, right? Well, if we want to catch on to what God wants to do for us, we have to abide in his love. We have to minnow in God's love. Now, what does it mean to abide in his love? Well, the first part of John chapter 15, he's used the vine as an example. Any of you who grow flowers know that what happens when you cut that flower from the, from the stalk? What happens to it? Eventually, it's going to die. But what Jesus has said in the first part of John's passage there is that, that he has a, was abiding in the Father and the disciples were abiding in him and therefore there was life. You've got to remain connected. You've got to stay connected to Jesus. You've got to stay plugged into truth. You've got to stay in constant connection to the reality that God so loves you. Now, I want to just tell you something. The world wants to beat you up. The devil wants to lie to you, and he wants to steal your joy. And the first way he does that is by telling you how awful you are. Amen? Amen. Every, every day, the devil tells me how awful I am. But you know what? He's a liar. Because I'm not the worst thing I've ever done. I'm a child of the king. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm the son of the most high God because he's chosen to love me. And I have to choose today to love him back. I have to choose today to remain connected to the truth that God has loved me. I have to choose today to humble myself and come before him and say, Father, 
I love you and I need you today. It's a day by day staying connected to God and his love and his truth. You must abide in God's love. That's the first way that you glorify God. You, you stay connected with the reality that God, just like God has loved the Son with an everlasting love, and the Son has loved the church with an everlasting love, that we must every day, forever and ever, walk in love for God. Well, what does that look like? Look at verses 10 and 11. Verses 10 and 11 say, what does love look like? It looks like this. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. You want to know how you walk in God's love? First thing, keep his commandments. Now, Ligon Duncan preached a sermon that's a whole lot better than what I could preach recently on the reality that, that, there's, um, that love is the context for, I mean, the, the law is the context for the gospel. Or in other words, that obeying God is the context for enjoying his blessing. Legalism teaches that if you, if you do everything that God commands, God might condescend to love you. If you do everything right, well, then God will love you. That's legalism. Lawlessness says, well, God loves you so much, you don't have to do anything, he says. And that's lawlessness, and both of them are untrue. But what the Bible teaches us and what John is teaching us right here is this. Do you want to experience God's blessing? Do you want to know the joy of God? Do you want to feel his love in your life and live out of the overflow of that love? Obey him. Do you know that God has said everything he said in this book not to kill your joy, but to give you more joy? God hasn't ever put a rule in this book to keep you from any fun. He's put it in here to set you free. Everything that God says, you see, God created you and designed you to live for his glory and to be filled with his joy. But the problem is, is we disregard God. We fail to live the way he says. We, we fail to come into his presence. We fail to seek his word. We, we fail to seek his will. We go off half-cocked and do what we want to do, live how we want to live and wonder why God isn't blessing us. It's because we're not abiding in his love, which it means to begin with, to obey his commands. Amen? Well, the love of God, which begins with obedience, is the wellspring. I want you to picture that. Like a, you ever been and seen a natural well that's just bubbling up? And then it overflows. It overflows, right? Well, obedience is the wellspring of loving the Father. To love Christ is to incarnate his life now in the world. In other words, it says, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and abide in his love. Jesus lived a life that was marked by obedience to the Father. And if we say that we love Jesus, we want to walk as he walked. We want to live like he lived. So our life will be rooted in love for God. It'll be marked by Christ-likeness. Now, in the church, we've traditionally called this holiness. You don't hear a lot about it these days, but here's the truth. God wants to transform you every day to be more and more and more like Jesus. 
His love will progressively reshape your life. He will change your desires. He will change your direction. He will change your destiny. If you will follow him and submit yourself to him, he will remold and remake your life to look like Jesus. Daily, do you go into his presence in prayer? C.S. Lewis famously said, I don't pray to change God. I pray so God will change me. When you go into God's presence for prayer, God begins to reshape your thinking to think like he thinks. When you go to his word every day, are you daily filling your mind with the truth of God's word? You see, when the devil came to attack Jesus, what did he defeat the devil with? Scripture. Do you want to defeat the attacks of the devil every day? Do you want to incarnate Christ's life in the world today? Fill your mind with the word. What did Jesus do? He praised the Father. What did the angels do in heaven's courts? Praise the Father. Do you want to live in the love of God? Make your life a a praise to God. Brothers and sisters, if we want to love God, we need to love Him daily. If we want to love Christ, we need to incarnate Him daily through obedience and surrender. St. Augustine says this, love God and do whatever you want. Did you get that? If you love God, do whatever you want. Are you abiding in God's love? Are you? This is the hallmark of a resurrection life. You see, Jesus Christ didn't die a sacrificial death and raise to victorious life so that you could just get out of hell someday. He wants to change your today. He wants your life today to be marked with God's grace and truth and love and hope. He wants to remake you today. He wants to pour his blessing on you today. But in order for that to be real, you must abide in his love. Second thing I want you to see is that we are to obey obey his commands. So we've talked about that, abide in his love, obey his commands. The third thing I want you to see is to love one another, verses 12 through 17. So we see, abide in my love, obey my commands. Third, love one another. What does it look like to love one another? Well, Jesus begins in verse 12. It looks like this. It looks like laying down your life for somebody. Have you stopped to consider on Easter Sunday morning when we celebrate and put on our Easter dresses and look at the lilies? Good Friday, have you stopped to consider Good Friday? That Jesus' love for you was expressed in the fact that he was willing to die for your sin. And he, and he says, this is my commandment that you love one another, how? As I've loved you. Now, we all know John 3.16, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. I want to commend to you, everybody needs to memorize 1 John 3.16. By this we know love. Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought, moral imperative, to lay down our lives for the brothers. 
You want to have a hallmark of Christian living, the hallmark of resurrection living? You give yourself sacrificially not only to God, but to your brothers and sisters, to your neighbor, to your coworker. You sacrificially love, serve, and incarnate grace to those around you. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. I think it's, if you're like me, it's really easy to be thankful that Jesus saved me. He laid down his life for me. But it ain't all about me. It's much harder to respond with, I want to lay down my life for somebody else. I want to put aside my own preference, my own desire, my own convenience, and I want to serve somebody else. I, I have the privilege of being involved with the Central Mississippi Walk to Emmaus, and we have a team on our Emmaus, we have a, a group in our Emmaus team called Agape. And they agape till they drop A. <laughs> they love, love, love. The only thing that this team exists to do is to meet any and every need that might crop up for any and anybody there on the weekend. But you know what? We ought to be an agape team. The church is God's agape team. If we've experienced the love of God, we need to be giving love back to each other rather than criticizing one another or whispering about one another. Oh, do you know what sister so-and-so's got going on in her life? Ooh, bless her heart. Well, why don't you go help sister so-and-so? Right? So-and-so's really got a need. Boy, I, we need to pray for them. Yeah, you need to pray and then you need to bake a cake or, or you know, take a meal or work in the yard or do something else. Because you see, to sacrificially, Jesus didn't just say, well, bless their hearts from heaven's glory, did he? He condescended. He humbled himself and became like us, took on the form of human likeness so that he might serve us and love us and redeem us. And we've got to love like he loved. Which means we got to get out of our little safe and secure place and find somebody to serve. A resurrected life, the power of a resurrection life is found in serving others, loving others as we've been loved. Now, the last thing I want you to see is this. God chose you. You weren't looking for him. You were happy in your sin. You liked your sin. But God came looking for you. Isn't that a miracle? God came looking for you. And he had a purpose for you that you would bear much fruit. And what's the fruit that God's looking for you to bear? To abide in his love, to obey his commands, and to love one another. That's fruitfulness. I want you to ask yourself today, am I, do I have a place, a plan, and a prayer journal that I use every day? To meet with God. Second thing, is there any area of my life that is not surrendered to a holy God? Is there any area of my life that I wouldn't welcome God to come stand with me? You need to repent, surrender, give it over to God. 
You need to walk in obedience so you can enjoy his blessing. Third, who is in my life that God is calling me to love and serve? What's it going to cost, and when will I start? Won't you ask yourself those three questions? Did you get them? Am I abiding with God in love? Am I obeying God's commands? Who am I supposed to serve? Have I counted the cost, and am I ready to serve? If you are, welcome to the resurrection life. If you're not, come on in, the water's warm. It's the only place to know truly the depth of God's love, the fullness of God's blessing, and the joy of the kingdom. Holy Trinity Anglican is a faith family that seeks to encounter and share the Holy Trinity through worship, community, and mission. We're located at 432 Bozeman Road in Madison, Mississippi, and we invite you to join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.